0: month of July is our month of freedom. And I want to promise you by the end of this July, all the change in your life will be gone. You are going to experience freedom indeed. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. We started this series Finding Freedom series last week. And we started with A very important question What is Freedom We started last week With a very important Question, what is Freedom It's so important for us to Understand what freedom Is, and we are meant to Understand that when You are saved When you are saved from sin You have Known God Mm -hmm. The next step after knowing God is to find freedom. The next step after knowing God is to find freedom. We are meant to understand that when you give your life to Jesus, you are saved. Only your spirit is saved. Your soul is not saved. Your body is not saved. You are regenerated only in your spirit. So you have freedom in your spirit, but you don't have freedom in your soul and in your body. So the next step after you are saved from sin is to find freedom. So we talked about extensively what it is to find, to know freedom, what freedom is all about. Today, we are going to go a little further to speak on the topic Pursuit, the pursuit of freedom. This morning, we are talking, we are speaking on the pursuit of freedom. The pursuit of freedom in this, our Finding Freedom series. What is pursuit? When we talk about pursuit, what are we talking about? Pursuit is an action of following someone or something. Pursuit is an action of following someone or something. It's an action word of following someone or something. Pursuit is an effort to secure or attain to something. An action word, an effort. Pursuit, to pursue is to engage in something. In this time, we're talking about freedom. Action of following or pursuing something, freedom. An effort to secure or attain to something, to be engaged in something is pursuit. Pursuit is to run after something of value. To run after something of value, something of importance, and something of significance. So when we talk about pursuit, it's an action word, it's an effort, it's an engagement to run after something. So you cannot stay in one place when we talk about pursuit. You have to take a step, you have to make a movement. Just as the pursuit of happiness is defined as a fundamental human right, Just as the pursuit of happiness is defined as a fundamental human right in the U.S. Declaration of Independence, so also the pursuit of freedom. The pursuit of freedom is a natural pursuit for everyone. Everybody wants to be free. A child in her mother's womb wants to be free. That is why you see a child kicking the mother's womb. Why? Get me out of this place. I want to be set free. So everybody wants to be free. Freedom is a natural pursuit for everybody. Everybody, birds, animals, everybody wants to be free. You put a bird in a cage, that bird is struggling to be free. Freedom is a natural pursuit for everyone. The good news is, the good news is, the reason why Jesus came, Jesus' mission on earth is for freedom. The reason why Jesus came is for freedom. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me. This is Jesus speaking. He has sent me to do what? To proclaim freedom for those that are in chain. for those that are in prison. So the reason why Jesus came is for our freedom. His mission is for our freedom. That's what he told us in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. The reason why I came is to proclaim freedom to those that are in prison. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I am come, that they might have life and have it more abundantly, which means for you to have life in abundance is freedom. You cannot have life in abundance if you don't have freedom. In, Gal- in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom That Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, which means you you were set free or you are set free for freedom. You You were set free for freedom. When you give your life to Jesus, only your spirit is free. Your soul, which comprises of your will, Your emotions and your mind is not yet free. Your body is not yet free. You are saved. So when you give your life to Jesus, your spirit that is saved, your body needs to be saved. Your soul needs to be saved. So it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Oh, powerful and in fact, in you know in this series we are using the people of israelite as our case study in exodus chapter 6 in exodus chapter 6 verse 6 when the people of israelite were in egypt god said to moses say to the israelite i am the lord i will bring them out of the yoke of Egypt. Remember, if you are in Egypt, you are in sin. You are under the yoke of the Egyptian. You are under the yoke of sin. You are in bondage. So God said to Moses, tell the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring them out from under the yoke of the Egyptian.' Full stop. There was no semicolon. There was no colon there, which means, That phase is over. I will bring them out under the yoke of Egypt. That is salvation. But I will go further. I will free them from being slaves to the Egyptians. I will free them. I will bring them out. That is coming out from sin. I will free them. That is freedom. So which means this place is telling us that you are saved does not mean that you are free, and that is why we see so many saved people. They are still struggling. Sometimes you look at yourself, you say, What is going on in my life? Yes, you are saved. It is only your spirit that is saved, your body and your soul need to be saved. You have been brought out of the yoke of Egypt, so God says, I will go further to free you, to save you. In Exodus chapter 15 verse 9, when Pharaoh Hmm. left the people of Israel, when he released them, he said the enemy said, the enemy here is talking about Pharaoh. The enemy here is talking about the devil. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will pursue. They, They are free from my, they are set free from my bondage, from my yoke but I'm not going to let them go. Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't allow them to get freedom. I Mm -hmm. will pursue them. I will overtake them. Mm -hmm. I will divide the spoil which they have. My loss will be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. So though you are set free from the yoke and the bondage of Satan, he is not happy. Mm He said, "I will not let these people go. I will not allow them to find freedom. I will pursue them. I will run after them. I will make sure that they are spoiled. I will take back their spoil. I will allow them to to lost. I will put lost in them. I will make sure that they are not going to get freedom. They are saved, but I will pursue them. Look at John chapter ten, verse ten. The the, the enemy, his plan, is." To steal, to kill, and to destroy. How can you kill somebody and still want to destroy them? They tell, "I have, I will steal, I will kill, and I will destroy them." Wow, that is the wickedness of the devil. Mm -hmm. So, while the devil is pursuing after you, you should be pursuing freedom. While the devil is busy pursuing after you, I will pursue them. I will overtake them. I will steal from them. I will kill them. I will destroy them. While the devil is busy pursuing after you, you know what you should be doing? You should be busy pursuing freedom. While he is chasing you, you should be chasing freedom. You know, after salvation, after salvation, which is knowing God. The next step is to find freedom. But you see, in the Bible made us to understand in Exodus chapter 19, verse 1, the very day, the very day that the people of Israelites left Egypt, the very day that they were delivered from Pharaoh, the same very day they went into the wilderness, the same day they were delivered from Pharaoh. Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. Exodus chapter 19, verse 1 made us to understand that the same day that the people of Israelites were delivered from Pharaoh, the same day they went to the wilderness. Which means, immediately you are saved. Immediately you are saved. The next step is for freedom. So God did not wait Immediately, they left Egypt. The Bible says, in the same day, in the same day, they went into the wilderness. Let me tell you something. Wilderness is the pathway for freedom. Wilderness is the pathway for freedom. The way into every promised land, The way into every promised land is through the wilderness. The place for the pursuit of freedom is called wilderness. So when they left Egypt, God the way of the the wilderness. Wilderness is God's killing field. Wilderness is God's killing field. Anybody God wants to train, God will bring them into the wilderness. Exodus chapter 10 verse 17 and 18. The Bible said that when they came out of Egypt, when Pharaoh let them go, God did not lead them through the way of the Philistines. The way of the Philistines would have taken them 11 days to go to the promised land. But God did not take them there. The Bible says that God led them through the way of the wilderness. Why did God took them through the way of the wilderness? Like I said, the way to the promised land, if they have taken the, through the land of the Philistines, he would have taken them 11 days. 11 days to get the promised land. But God said no. I'm gonna take them through the wilderness. I have to teach them things. I, I have to train them. So instead of 11 days, he took the Israelites for 10,600 days. Wow. So my question is, why did God take them through that longer route? Why did God take them through that longer route? That is a very important question. You see, in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, God asked Joshua to send some spies and take out the land that they were about to possess. The Bible said that Joshua took 12 people, every man from each tribe. Joshua took 12 people to go and spy the land. Out of those 10, out of the 12, Joshua and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb were among the people. That went to spy the land. Ten of them of the twelve came back with a bad report. They said to Moses, "We cannot, we cannot get that land. That land, they, there are giants there. We are like grasshoppers there. We cannot, we cannot overcome that land. We cannot take that land. No. Joshua and Caleb said to them, "No. God has promised to give us that land. That land." Is, is flows with milk and honey as God has said, we are able to go up and take that country to possess that land from Jordan to the sea. Though the giants may be on our way to hinder, God will surely give us victory. So Joshua and Caleb told them that we are able. So because of that God said to them in Exodus chapter 14 verse 30 to 34, God said to them, since you are saying that you are not able to possess the land, since you think you cannot possess the land, no no trouble, your little ones are the people that will possess the land. But for you, your carcass shall fall into the wilderness and your children shall wander in the wilderness for 40 years. So the reason why God took them through that longer route, was because of their unbelief, because of their sin, because of their doubt, God said to them, every day that you guys, the 40 days, it took them 40 days to spy the land, God said to them, I'm gonna, every day will be one year. Every day you spend to spy the land will be one year. So the 40 days that it took them, to to spy the land God turned it into 40 years because of their sin, because of their unbelief. But guess what? In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8, the reason why God took them to that long route, the reason why God brought them into the wilderness, and this thing is applicable to us, God took them through the longer route Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 to 6. God was saying through Moses, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness. These 40 years. Why? Why did God do that? To humble and test you in order to know what is in your heart. The Lord took them through the way of the wilderness to humble them and to test what is in their heart. So the Lord humbled them and caused them to hunger, and he fed them with manna. Wow. So God was teaching them. God gave them bread. God gave them water. God fed them. God clothed them. God put sandals on their feet. So God was trying to know what was in their heart. So God disciplined them through the way of the wilderness. So God was up so that they can observe the commandment of the Lord. What are we saying? God allowed them to go through the long route, one, to humble them. To humble them. You see, you are not ready to be used of God until you allow yourself to be humbled. You go through that process. Humility is what brings promotion. There are so many people. They are so arrogant. They are so proud. They are so, uh, it's all about them. God cannot use you if you are so powerful, if you are so proud. Look at anybody that God uses is somebody that has gone through the way of the wilderness. And the reason why God would take them through the world of the wilderness is to humble them they We are so proud, they were so humble. God does not use a pride, a pride person. There are so many people. God is using them, but immediately pride comes in. look at Satan the, the Lucifer, he was so blessed, he was so 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 talented, so gifted, but the bible says. Immediately, pride came. God said, no. No matter who you are, no matter your level, I'm going to bring you down. The Bible said because of pride, God brought him down. So whenever God is ready to use anybody, the first thing God will do is to humble them, to make sure that they will not see themselves. A lot of people are looking for a platform. A lot of people are looking for recognition. God does not look, use anybody that is so full of himself. So for God to use you, for you to fulfill destiny, for you to fulfill purpose, for you to make a difference, God will take you through the way of the wilderness to humble you. The second thing God did for them, God took them through the way of the wilderness to test them in order to know what is in their heart. God was testing them to know what is in their heart. Sometimes what you are going through is a test. What you are going through is a test. God wants to test you to see what is in your heart. And the place God does that is in the wilderness. Wilderness is God's training ground. Wilderness is the place, is a pathway to freedom. You cannot know freedom if you don't know wilderness. So God took them through the wilderness to test what is in their heart. Another factor, the reason why God took them through the wilderness, according to Deuteronomy chapter 8, is to teach them total dependence. God took them through the wilderness to teach them total dependence. You see, When Jesus taught us our Lord's prayer, he said, give us this day, our daily bread. When God God gave manna to them, God was giving it on a daily basis. God didn't want to give them for a week, for a month. You see, God wanted them to depend upon him. You say to God, I cannot make it. I need you. I depend upon you. If you can take care of yourself, you are not a candidate for freedom. You see, freedom is not independence. Freedom is not independence. God wants you to depend upon him. That is why he gave them manna every day. He didn't give them for two days or for three days so that they will come back every day. Give us this day, our daily bread. God wanted them to depend upon Him. That was why one cloth, they were wearing, they wore one cloth for 40 years. Imagine that. So while they were growing, the size of their clothes was growing. Some of them, their clothes was size two. So as they grew, their clothes kept kept on expanding to size 3. You for one cloth because they were in the wilderness. There is no shopping mall in the wilderness. There is no dry cleaner. There is no laundry mat in the wilderness. So God made sure that He will take care of them. One cloth, one shoe. The Bible said their shoe did not grow old for forty years. So God was teaching them total dependence. God was sheltering them. God was protecting them. In the day, God will bring the cloud. In the night, God will bring the fire. So God was protecting them. So the reason why God took them through the wilderness is to teach them total dependence. The reason why also, another reason God took them through the wilderness is to discipline them. To discipline them. Discipline Is necessary for every child. If you are a child and you have not been disciplined, your parents don't discipline you, it means you are a bastard. So God took them through the wilderness to discipline them. All these things we saw them in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 to 6. God took them through the wilderness to discipline them. The Bible speaking in Hebrews chapter 5, he says it is a church, it's Hebrews chapter 12, when God disciplines you, it means that you are his child. There is no child that cannot be disciplined. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastened everyone he accepted as a son. In in Proverbs, in Proverbs 3, verse 11, you should count it a blessing when you are being disciplined by the Lord. Do not count it as something bad when God is disciplining you. There are so many ways God disciplines us. God disciplines the people he loves. So God loved the people of Israel. And he took them through the way of the of the wilderness to discipline them. God said to them, you will eat this food for six days. Every day, I'm going to get manna for you. But on the seventh day, look at God. God is so powerful. God said to them, on the seventh day, you're not going to go out. I will give you enough food for the sixth day and the seventh day. So God was training them to obey him, to obey him. So God was teaching them obedience and reverence. God took them through the wilderness to teach them obedience and reverence. Don't gather manna. Don't take so much that you cannot take. Take as much as you can eat. God was teaching them obedience and reverence. So wilderness is God's training field. Wilderness is God's training field. You cannot become what God wants you to be unless God will go, allow you to go to the wilderness. Wilderness is necessary for me. If wilderness is God's pathway, for finding freedom. It means that wilderness is necessary for me. Because if I want to find freedom, the pathway to finding freedom, the route to finding freedom is the part of discipline, is the path of freedom, is the part of wilderness. Okay. What does wilderness represent? Remember I said when you are a Christian. When you give your life to Jesus, you are born again. Wilderness is the place for discipleship. Wilderness is the place for discipleship. You see, so many people are saved, right? So many people are saved. When you give your life to Jesus, the next thing that should happen to you is to be discipled. Once you are saved, the next step is for you to be discipled. But unfortunately, God did not call us to make membership. God did not call us to make membership. God calls us to make disciples. You see, we are not called to make membership, to grow membership. Once somebody is saved, the next step for that person is to be discipled. But unfortunately, the problem is most Christians don't want to be to be disciples. People don't want to go through the process of discipleship. And that is why you come to church. You look at somebody that will tell you, I have been saved for many years. You look at their life. You see that they are empty. You see that they are still struggling with one sin or the other. When, they, when, you, when you, you cannot trust them. You say, tell you they're going to do this, they can't do it. Sometimes you wonder, what, what kind of a Christian is this? You know the reason why? They did not go through the process of discipleship and discipleship happens in the wilderness. Discipleship happens, the place discipleship takes place is in the wilderness. Discipleship is compared to parenting. Parenting is like discipleship. You see, when a child is born, it is the responsibility of the parent to give them water, to nurture them, to feed them. That is why the Bible says in First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, as a newborn babe, you should desire the sincere make of the world that you may grow thereby. No child, you don't start to give a child meat. Every child that is born new, what do you feed them? Milk, water, milk, water. So that is why God says, as a newborn bear, desire the sincere milk of the world that you may grow thereby. It is very, very important that somebody teach you, somebody who say, this is what you should do. This is what you should do. On the pathway to freedom, you don't take a shortcut. You see, so many people have jumped the rope. So many people want to take a shortcut. There is a way that seems good unto a man. There is a way that seems good unto a man. Immediately somebody is saved. They run out. They want to go into the ministry. They want to start doing some spiritual things. No, you can't do that. You cannot take a shortcut. Remember, the people of Israelite, they wanted to take. There is a shortcut to the promised land that will take them 11 days. God said, no. I need to take them through the wilderness. Instead of 11 days, they need to go through some process. You see, to find freedom, to find freedom is a process. To be saved is an event. But to find freedom is a process. And God wants you to, there are things God wants to teach you you have to be discipled. You have to be disciple. To disciple somebody is to teach them how to think, how to feel, how to act. God knows that you need to be taught. You need to be trained. So discipleship is training ground. Is to teach you. Now you are saved. This is the way you do it this is the way you do it paul paul said to the corinthians follow me as i follow christ so when you are disciple somebody is leading you so let me ask you a personal question have you been disciple who discipled you who taught you the way of the lord who trained you in matthew chapter 28 When Jesus was about to go to leave the earth to heaven after his resurrection, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, Jesus said, go ye into all the world and make disciples, not membership, go ye into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Lord in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So in the place of discipleship is the place of teaching. You teach people how to obey God. You teach people how to follow God. Discipleship is the ABC of Christianity. In discipleship, you teach people A, B, C of Christianity. Everybody has to go through it. Anybody that did not go through discipleship, that person will not last. That person will not be rooted and grounded in the faith. Discipleship is very important. In Acts of the Apostles chapter 14, when the disciples, in Acts of the Apostles, the Bible said the, the everybody that were saved, Acts of the Apostles chapter 14, The Bible said that everybody, they went preaching the gospel in the city, and they watched a large number of disciples. They returned to Lystra and Antioch, strengthening, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them. So, in the place of discipleship is the place of strengthening and encouraging people. This is what you have to go through. You see, In verse 22, he said to them, Paul said, we must go through many hardships to enter into the kingdom of God. It is in the place of discipleship that you you will be told the way of the wilderness. We must go through many hardships. That is talking about wilderness experience. We must go through many hardships. The people that were discipled, they were the people that they were telling them, they were strengthening them, they were encouraging them, listen, you're going to go through things. People, you're going to go through stuff. You have to go through the way of the wilderness because that is the pathway to freedom. So go, the people the, that were serving in the house of the apostles, the disciples told them these are the process. You cannot just be saved and relax. No. You are saved, God will take you through the wilderness. Wilderness is God's training ground, and it is in the place of the wilderness that you will be discipled. There is a man called Apollos. There is a man called Apollos. In Acts of the Apostles, chapter eighteen, the Bible said that this man Apollos was mighty in the Scripture. He was eloquent, very brilliant. He was instructed in the way of the Lord. He was very fervent in the Spirit. He taught diligently things of the Lord. But look at this. He was limited. Eloquent in the Scripture. Mighty in the Scripture. Knows the way of the Lord. But the Bible said that Apollos was limited. Why? He only knew about the baptism of John. The Bible said that a a couple called Aquila and Priscilla. When they saw this man, very zealous for God, very eloquent, he knows the scripture. They said this guy. The Bible said that they called Apollos. Aquila and Priscilla, they called Apollos. They began to teach him. They began to train him. They began began to guide him. Very zealous very eloquent, knows the scripture, but he was limited. It was in the place of discipleship that Apollos was strengthened. If you go to the the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul was even telling the people of Corinth who is Apollos? Who is Paul? So this man became so strong in faith that Paul was comparing himself to Apollos. Paul said to the people of Corinthians, I, the piper, planted, Apollos watered, but it is God that gives the increase. So, Apollos, because of the training he got from this couple, the Bible said he was so strong in faith. Colossians chapter 6, Colossians chapter 2, the Bible says, Now you are saved. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Now you are saved. The next step is for you to be rooted, to be grounded, to be established in the faith. Now you are saved. The next place is for you to be rooted, for you to be built up, for you to be established in the faith. How do you do that? You do that through discipleship. And it is in the wilderness that you are discipled. In the wilderness is the place that you are discipled. There are five principles of disciples I'm just going to run through five principles of disciples. Number one, the heart of discipleship is to proclaim Jesus. The heart of discipleship is to proclaim Jesus. When somebody is being discipled, we need to teach the person Mm -hmm. about Jesus, not about the church, not about the pastor. The heart of discipleship is to proclaim Jesus. This is, in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 to 29, that is where you're going to see this five principles of discipleship. Colossians chapter 1, 28 and 29. The heart of discipleship is to proclaim Jesus. Number two, the means of discipleship is to teach them and to warn them with wisdom. So the heart of discipleship is to proclaim Jesus. The means of discipleship. How do you disciple people? You disciple people by teaching them, by warning them. These five principles principles of discipleship, you will see it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. The third principle of discipleship, which is the goal of discipleship, is to present everyone mature in Christ. God did not save you for you to remain the way you are. God saves you for you to be matured. We always say God accepts everyone the way they are. Yes. God will accept you the way that you are, but God does not want you to remain the way you are. You came in with some baggage. You came in with some baggage. Your background, there are things about you that are so bad. God said, say, come, come as you are. But God does not want you to remain as you are. A lot of people say, well, this is who I am. No, God does not want you to remain the way you are. It is in the process of process in the in the place of discipleship that god will change you and that is called freedom god that is called freedom where you you begin to you, you, the way you talk the way you, you, you speak the way you communicate the way you act is so it, it's not Christ like so in the place of discipleship god begin to remove those things god begin to get you matured the fourth principle of discipleship is the cost of discipleship <laughs> to be a christian is not easy there is a cost and it is in this place that they will tell you about the wilderness experience the cost of discipleship for through many trials we shall go into the we shall enter into the, into the kingdom of god through many trials there is a cost for discipleship and the next principle of discipleship is the power of discipleship there's an energy there is an empowerment that is why you cannot be saved for a long time without engaging the spirit of god so this is what the bible is telling us in colossians chapter 1 verse 28 and 29 he is one we proclaim jesus is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with wisdom so that they may present everyone fully matured in christ to so this mm-hmm. end I strenuously contend with all the energy and the power of God. So in the wilderness, we are discipled. The next thing wilderness does for you, listen, this is very important. The next thing that the place of wilderness does for you is character development. Character development. When the people of Israelite, like when they left Egypt, Egypt did not leave them. The Israelites left Egypt, but Egypt has not left them. They left Egypt, but they were carrying Egypt into the wilderness. So God said, for them to go to the promised land, for them to find purpose, for them to make a difference, they cannot come into the promised land with the mentality of Egypt. So I will, I will allow them to go through the wilderness to take away Egypt from them, to remove Egypt from them. So God took them through the way of the wilderness. Look at in Exodus. In Exodus chapter 16 verse 3, while they were in the wilderness, they have left Egypt. They were still craving. They were still craving for the meat. And the children of Israel said unto them, would God we would have died in, the, in, in Egypt where we were eating bread. We were eating cucumber. We were eating melon. We were eating fish. So when they were in the in, 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 on their way to the promised land, they were still thinking about Egypt. Mm. They were still thinking about the food they were eating in Egypt. They were still thinking about the melon, the cucumber. Wow. So, while they left Egypt, they were still having Egypt in their mind. Number chapter 11. We remember the fish. We remember all those things we were eating in Egypt. Now hmm. we wish we are going back to Egypt. So, God said, okay, if I leave these people the way they are, they can't take Egyptian mentality to the promised land. So, I'm going to allow them to go through the wilderness so that I can remove Egypt from them. So, the plan of God was to bring them through the way of the wilderness, to remove Egypt from them. How do you remove Egypt from people? By renewing their mind. By renewing their mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. You see, they left Egypt. They were saved, but their mind was not saved. They were still thinking about the same they used to do. Have you seen people sometimes they are saved, all of a sudden they begin to sing the worldly song they used to sing while they were in Egypt? Did they begin to fantasize the thing they were doing in Egypt. You know why? Their mind is not yet renewed. So God allowed them to go through that process, to go through Egypt, to go through the wilderness, please so that your mind will be renewed. It, wilderness is the place of crushing. Wilderness is the place of crushing where you are developed. Wilderness is the place of crushing where God will change you. Where God, God will... In fact, there are some times, if you are fasting, you begin to see some things that is coming up in your life. Anger, there was a day I was fasting. I was fasting three days fast. I was driving on a highway, a car passed me immediately. That car passed me. I don't know where this anger came from. I was so angry, I wanted to overtake that again. I'm like, Where did you put? Oh, this spirit of God said to me, You need to deal with that thing, you need to deal with that anger, you need to deal with it. So there are some things that crops up. There are some things you still think, you still fantasize. You need that caution. You need to experience wilderness experience for that thing to get out of your mind, for your mind to be renewed. It is in the place of caution that grapes are torn, torn into wine. In the place of caution where you are developed. You see, a grape cannot turn into wine, except that grape is crushed. For a grape to turn into wine, that grape must be crushed. So it is in the place of wilderness, the place of finding freedom that God will crush you. It is in the place of finding freedom that cross will turn to crown. Everybody, before you can wear a crown, you must have a cross. No cross, no crown. So, it is in the place of wilderness that your cross, which is your challenge, the temptation, God will, when you overcome them, then instead of a cross, you get a crown. It is in the place of wilderness, in the place of crushing, that your pains, your pressures are turned into power. Let me tell you, you cannot become God what God wants you to be, except you go through some stuff. There are some pressures of life. God allowed those things to come to you so that he can develop you. So that he can grow you. So, the place of, you see, Paul said in Galatians, let nobody trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Galatians chapter 6. Let nobody trouble me, for I bear in my body. It is in the place of wilderness that you get scars, scars, And those scars, God will turn them to a star. You cannot have a star. You cannot become a star if you don't have a scar. There is a scar. So I don't know if you have noticed that those God is going to use the most. Everybody God is going to use the most. He always crushes them the most. God is going to use you the most he will always crush you the most. Your, your trials and your temptations and your challenges are synonymous to your level. So when God wants to use a man, the first thing he does is to crush that person. I've never seen anyone, there is no one that did exceptional things in their, in their lives that didn't endure exceptional crush. For you to do exceptional things for God, you have to endure exceptional crushing. God will crush you. <laughs> look, at, look at Joseph. Look at what Joseph went through. If God had told Joseph, Joseph, you're gonna go through prisons, you're gonna go through abuse, you're gonna go through your, your your family members will, will betray you. But at the end of the day, you're going to become a star. You're going to become the governor. Joseph would have said, God, no, no, I don't want it. So God does not show us the process of our freedom. But when it is all over, you'll be like, wow. Not all crushing is from the devil. Not all crushing is from the devil. There are things that will come to your way you'll be like, God, no, let this, let this cup pass over. And God said, no, no, no. This, curse, this cup will not pass over you. You need it. You need it. Not all crushing is from the devil. You cannot, you see the Bible says that it pleased the father to crush the son. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush Jesus. Because God knew if this guy is not crushed, he cannot fulfill destiny. So, not all crushing is from the devil. There are things you cannot rebuke away. <laughs> you, there are things you cannot rebuke away. You have to go through it. God will allow you sometimes to go through some challenges of life, to develop you, to train you, to make you the man and the woman he wants you to be. So, God allowed the people of his life to go through things. They saw red sea. They passed through stuff because God wanted to develop them. God wanted to train them. That is this quote. Is one of my greatest quotes. When God wants to do an impossible task, when God wants to do an impossible task, He takes an impossible individual and crushes him. When God wants to do an impossible task. He takes an impossible individual and crushes him so that he can become a mighty tool in his hand. You see, do you know a lot of people that God gives the gift of healing? A lot of them pass through heavy sickness, challenge. So they survive. Look at many people in the Bible, even there are our, our fathers in faith that you see them, God is using them mightily in the place of healing. Why? They went through some health challenge. There are some people, God wants to use them in the place of married, marital ministry, and God will allow them, God will allow them to go through divorce, God will allow them to go through heavy challenge. Some people will disappoint you. You'll be like, why God? Why? God not say, no, I I approved it. You have to go through it. So God will, based on where God wants to take you to, he will allow some challenges to come into your way. That is wilderness experience. to, to, To train you so that you can find freedom. So that you can find freedom. Before we can pray, thy kingdom come, we must be willing to pray, my kingdom go. Before you can pray, thy kingdom come. You must be willing to pray, my kingdom go. You have to come to the place where you don't have any other thing to rely on. Jacob ran, ran was running from God until one day he said, God, enough. I am ready. The Bible says that he fought with God and God dislocated him. You know why God dislocated him? So that he can lean on God. The Bible said that Jacob was going with, with, with on, on, leaning on something, leaning on a cane, a whole Jacob. God dislocated him so that he can become the man God has called him to be. You see, the reason why it's very important for you to pursue freedom, you cannot fulfill destiny if you have some things in your life. That you need to deal with That is why next week We're going to be talking about addictions Addictions We're going to We call it soul therapy There are some things that you have to Go through There are some things you have to allow yourself To surrender You have to willingly say God, enough of this kind of life Enough of Pornography Enough of masturbation Enough of, enough, of, enough of cheating, enough, enough of lying, enough of committing fornication. And you are a Christian. You are a Christian. You are a Christian. You have, been, you have been delivered from Pharaoh. You have been delivered from Egypt. You have not yet found freedom. So by next, we're going to be talking about these processes. You see, the place of character is very, very important. There are so many people God wants to use, but God said, with this kind of lifestyle, I cannot use you. I cannot use you. So integrity is not perfection. Integrity is not perfection. Integrity is a consciousness, an intentional effort to remain consistent. So in the place of character development, that is where you build integrity. Where your year is here and your no is not. Integrity is not perfection, but a conscious intentional effort to remain consistent. Irrespective of the circumstances, your character is sound when you come to the place of wilderness. When you say, God, I surrender. I'm going to, we're going to do the next place I'm going to stop here. We, we, there are other things I wanted to say, but I'm going to stop after this one. The next place for wilderness experience, why God wants to take you through wilderness experience is to be Christ-like. Is to be Christ-like. Christ-likeness is the reason why God will allow you to go through the wilderness experience. Let me tell you, You are not saved to be a blessing to others. You are not saved to be a blessing to others. You will inevitably become one. The reason why God saved you, the primary reason is to conform you to the image of his son. Honestly. You were not saved to go to heaven, remember? You were saved for works. But the primary purpose Of God saving you Is to look like Christ To become like Jesus Is your primary calling Every other thing is secondary We come to church So that we can change As we behold him As we behold him as in the middle What happens? We are changed From glory to glory From glory to glory So the real freedom And abundant life Is not in the things you have Or in the things you do for example, we say oh, to have abundant life is to be rich, is to have anything you want. No, no, no. It's more than that. The real abundant life is how much of Christ's image do you reflect? How much of Christ's image do you reflect? Can you is there anything about you that look like Christ? The Bible says in Acts of the Apostles chapter 11 verse 26 they were called Christians first in Antioch. The people of Antioch looked at them. They were like, these people are looking like Christ. That is what Christianity means. Christianity is a relationship. You look like Christ. You behave like Christ. And all these things takes place in the wilderness. Where God will change you. Where God will transform you. Where God will renew your mind. Where you begin to look like God. That is what God wants to achieve in our lives. Next week, please, if you can spend some time to pray and fast, because next week is very critical. We're going to be going to the lab. We're going to be talking about addiction. So, therapy. We have known what freedom is, we have known how to pursue freedom. It is in the place of wilderness that you pursue freedom. Immediately, the people of Israelite were delivered from Pharaoh, from, from sin. They moved into the wilderness. And it is in that process that God began to train them. So the pathway to finding freedom is the wilderness. And it is in the place of wilderness that God began to change you. God begin to remove some things in your life. So I want us to allow ourselves to go through it. Remember, it's a process. It's a process. It's not a one-time event. As we behold him, as in a mirror, we are changed from glory to glory. I would have talked about what does it mean to look like Christ? How do you, how do you look like Christ? So, but I don't have time to do that. Maybe by next week we'll start from here. Beth. I want you to, to be open to allow God to train you, to teach you. Allow yourself to be discipled. Any sin you did not deal with will deal with you tomorrow. Any sin you will not give up today will hinder you tomorrow. There is no two ways about it. That is why God wants us to be free. Why? So that we can fulfill destiny. So that we can make a difference. Hallelujah. I want you to just begin to appreciate God. Thank Him for this word. If the Lord has spoken to you, if the Lord has spoken to you this morning, please, I want you to thank Him Appreciate you, Father. Thank you for your word. Your word has come to me. Thank you for the process of, of wilderness experience. Father, I am willing, I am ready to do this process so that I can find freedom. I receive grace to pursue freedom. I receive grace. Every action that I need to take, every effort that I need to make, every engagement that I need to do. To find freedom, I receive the grace tonight, this morning. I received the grace this morning. And I thank you and I praise you. I thank you and I praise you. Thank you, Lord. Receive all the glory. Receive all the glory. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.